Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're talking about a new Harvard Education Press book called Privatization and the Public Good, Public Universities in the Balance. The author is Matthew Lambert, who's the Vice President for University Advancement at the College of William and Mary, where he also teaches higher education, public policy, and finance. Welcome to the EdCast, Matthew. Thanks very much for having me. So, Matthew, before we get into the sort of crossroads that we're at now with public higher education, I'm curious if you wouldn't mind giving us a perspective of what public education meant up until this point, and then we can move into, obviously, how it's becoming more privatized. It's a great question, and and obviously, uh, our nation is very different than most other nations on the planet in that we've always had a balance of a, a public and private mix, and we've always had, I would say, uh, a tension in our country between uh, public and private interests, and uh, that goes back uh, to our earliest days, which is very different from many European uh, nations, obviously, where it was uh, much more public-focused and has been traditionally. I think what, what really changed uh, up up through and into the period following World War II was strong national sentiment that an educated population was important and valuable for everyone in the nation, uh, whether or not uh, you were benefiting from that education. And what we've seen in the last 30 years is a little bit of a shift where uh, the sense is that uh, those who are benefiting directly from the education are the ones who ought to be paying for it. And I think that's where we've gotten to a point in our nation where we're really having a debate now about a very important question, and I think we need to to dive more deeply into it. And that question is essentially, is higher education a public good, or is it a private benefit to the individual who receives it? And and that's really what a lot of my research focuses on, is where do uh, those uh, empowered uh, as legislators and governors and policymakers where do they see the future of higher education going? I think in many ways the subtitle of the book, Public Universities in the Balance, is very much uh, sets, the, sets the scene. They're hanging in the balance because you do see so many examples of public things becoming more privatized, public-private partnerships. And I, I'm wondering if you can just share some examples of how these universities, these public universities, are becoming more private. And then obviously, writ large, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, that's a great question, Matt, and I think that was one of the essential things that really sent me off on this journey uh, over the last several years, meeting with hundreds of elected officials, principally uh, state legislators and governors, but, but also members of Congress. And what really set me off the, on this journey was trying to understand, is this a good thing, is this a bad thing, or is it just reality? And I wanted to understand what did those elected officials think uh, about this. And in the end, my analysis is that uh, it's not a bad thing. Uh, it, uh, there are many good things about this, uh, and largely it is reality. And a couple examples of this, you know, obviously what people think most about uh, when they think about privatization and public higher education is the dramatic shift over time in who's paying for college. And historically, the federal and state governments covered a majority of the costs. And two generations ago, and, and in some ways a generation ago, 
someone could go to college and they could pay their way through college working a job at nights during school, working during the summers. And today, uh, that largely is not possible for anyone except for some students uh, at community colleges. And even there, uh, the prices increased pretty significantly. So that's what comes to mind usually for folks when they're thinking about this. And there's a number of examples across the country. I, I looked very closely at, at three states and the uh, flagship public universities, the University of Virginia uh, in Virginia, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill in North Carolina, and the University of California, Berkeley in California. And each of those three states uh, to differing levels has seen a dramatic decrease in state appropriations. But what's important and, and what I found uh, during the course of my research is that has not diminished their focus on larger societal uh, needs, that has not diminished their focus on what is truly the public good nature of higher education. And that was an important thing to, to really try to understand what did legislators think, what did the public think as a result. And I think it's very easy today for folks to worry about what does it mean that higher education is becoming so expensive to the end user. And it is a worrying, uh, a worrying phenomenon uh, so that was one level. The other level is uh, on, on uh, many campuses, you can see examples of this where bookstores, for instance, bookstores which historically had been run by the university are now being run by uh, third-party uh, corporations. Dining services, uh, housing, uh, in, in some campuses, uh, there are a number of specific forces that have been outsourced. And for me, what was important was to understand the difference between what is core to the academic mission versus those things that are more uh, peripheral uh, to the academic mission. And it doesn't really uh, affect a student or a member of the faculty uh, if their uh, parking permit is issued by the university or issued by a third-party corporation. What's much more important is how does what's happening over time affect the core academic mission, who gets to go to college and who gets to go to which colleges. It's a great way of looking at it. And I'm curious, now having done your research, providing everyone here today with a historical perspective and a sort of moment at the crossroads, um, you can look specifically at Virginia, North Carolina, and California. Where do you see this going? Is the trend going to continue? Sort of put on your futurist hat, Matthew, and let us know in 5, 10, 20 years, are we not going to be able to recognize or differentiate differences between public and private universities and colleges? Well, Matt, that, that, that is a, a really important question. And, and for me, uh, I do think in the next 15 and 20 years, the trends will continue. Uh, I don't see any way that either state or federal governments will be able to provide the same level of support for higher education that they have in the past. Uh, many of these states uh, provide uh, more in uh, real dollar basis today than they did 30 years ago, but on a, on a percentage basis of the operating budgets of these institutions, it's a far, a far lesser number. What I think is going to continue to be the differentiator between public and private universities is not going to be money. Uh, it's really going to be mission. And the mission differentiation is uh, the primary focus of these institutions. Are they, are they primarily focused on a public mission, which is access-oriented, uh, which is focused on the needs of the people of the state and the country. Uh, and I think that's where you're going to continue to see public universities 
even though a lesser and lesser portion of their funding model is going to come from the state and federal government, are going to continue to be that way. And what's really, I think, uh, distressing for uh, many administrators of public universities and alumni is the sense that over time the state has provided so much less in funding, again, on a percentage basis, but continues to demand many of the same regulations of these institutions. And, uh, you know, my, my sense from interviewing hundreds of legislators and governors uh, is that they, they are going to have to focus so much more of their effort on uh, medical costs. Uh, Medi- Medicare is a much more significant portion of budgets than it was 10 or 20 years ago. Uh, prisons and corrections today in many states, the amount that states are spending on corrections is more than it's spending on uh, higher education. And then the cost for K-12 education. K-12 in most states is a mandated cost, whereas higher education is not a mandated cost. And, and I think many of these states know that the universities can raise tuition, whereas K-12 schools cannot uh, raise tuition. So I see the trend continuing, and uh, in many ways I see the trend continuing to worsen. But what I think is most needed right now is a national dialogue about how can we best maintain the system of public and private universities in a way where the needs of the country, the needs of the states are still being met, and those institutions are able to raise uh, the revenues that they need to be able to survive and thrive in the years ahead. Matthew, who really needs to read this book? Uh, Your target audience, is it uh, university administrators, is it policymakers, is it the general public? Who, Who should go out and buy this book? My first thing I did after the book uh, came out two weeks ago was to, uh, to write a note to each and every one of the legislators that I interviewed. At the very top of my list is uh, a, a hope, a desire, a dream that legislators would read the book and their staff would read the book. Because when I set out to understand what do they think about what's happening right now, what I knew uh, was that every legislator, uh, when they're standing in front of a microphone, when they're meeting at a town hall in their local uh, part of the state, they love to hate higher education. And uh, in many ways, we have made ourselves an easy target for legislators and governors to talk about uh, the out-of-control spending, the rising tuition, uh, and uh, many of them love to talk about the the sort of curriculum that has no uh, real focus. And so what I want is for them to listen to their own voices in this book because when you sit down and have a thoughtful conversation with an elected official, they know how valuable our nation's system of higher education is, and they know how good it is. Most of them lament the fact that they can't give more to higher education. And that's a very different conversation than you hear uh, in public. The, the second audience, uh, which again is a crucially important audience here, are the public at large. And I think there is so much conversation in our country today about what's happening in higher education. Everyone knows the importance of higher education, and that's from community colleges all the way through research universities. But everyone also knows that we cannot continue to see tuition rising at the rate it has been rising. And what's important is that people read this and think about what are the competing interests here and what might be other models of maintaining the system of higher education, where truly a public-private partnership uh, makes it possible. So I think those two audiences in particular, and obviously 
scholars, uh, academics, uh, students uh, who, are, who are examining issues of higher education, public policy, and finance uh, are, are generally uh, the kinds of people who read this. But my hope is that elected officials and the public at large will really think about these issues and really start to dive into these issues rather than just seeing these framed in the way they are by some of the popular media uh, as too simplistic of an issue. This is, this is really complex stuff, and it really does take a deeper dive to understand what's happening in the country today, and, and it's a very important conversation. A very important conversation, very thoughtful research and book. The name, Privatization and the Public Good, Public Universities in the Balance. You've been listening to Matthew Lambert. You can buy this book at hepg.org or bookstores everywhere. Matthew Lambert, thank you very much for being on the ACAST, and uh, you know, keep up the good work. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.